had a genetic disease that made tasks as simple as lifting a toothbrush too painful. To the doctor, I had all the tests done. They warned me it would be cancer or leukemia. And my ex-husband and I freaked, as you can imagine. Or if your children had eczema so bad that their beds resembled something like a murder scene. And it got to the point where my daughter, she had half her middle finger amputated because of her eczema. She picked up a staph infection at school. Our guest today found herself in that very position. Her solution? Well, after the initial shock of it all, she picked herself up, took herself to nutrition school and embarked on a gut healing journey. Um, I do believe eczema is triggered, well my kids' eczema is triggered by the gut and the nervous system and so that's what I wanted to learn more about. Welcome to That Gut Feeling, an interview podcast that explores just how powerful our bodies are by design and how through taking a holistic approach to our gut health, we can not only drastically change our own health, but the health of those that we love, especially our babies. Hear incredible stories of transformations from everyday people like you and I, and also from a range of health professionals as we educate and inspire parents to take charge of their family's health and keep on doing it for the kids. Sheridan James is a mum of two kids, a lover of wine, aren't we all, and well-being, happily single, city dweller and passionate writer. She's obsessed with food, travel, sunshine and living her best life. Sheridan is also the creator of Sugar Free Mum, which was created by Sheridan seven years ago and has now amassed a following of over 100,000 people. When Sheridan first popped into my LinkedIn messenger box, the first thing I noticed was that she was a fellow IIN student. I'm not going to lie, I got pretty jacked up about it. Then, when we started speaking, I discovered that we have so, so much more in common. We also both have, or had, little ones with eczema, which is why we got into this space in the first place. Another one is that we both studied at IIN. Uh, you're a writer and I love writing and we both love wine. So it's like a besties made in heaven, really, when you think about it. The fact that Sheridan has created such a large social media following comes as absolutely no surprise to me at all. Her honest, laid back, tell it how it is nature sucks you in and makes you feel like you're talking with a girlfriend that you've known for your whole life. Join us to hear about everything from death threats, the detox delights that come with cutting out sugar, and ways that going sugar-free has changed the world in which Sheridan lives for the better. All right, let's go. Now, can you please, uh, maybe just to kick it off, we'll sort of start right back at the beginning before sugar-free mum was even born. What got you into the whole health and wellness space to begin with? So I was always one of those yo-yo dieters. I tried every diet in the book. And really, it's when I discovered I have a genetic disease called hemochromatosis, which is where my body can't tolerate a lot of iron. And so where normal people, when they have iron in meat or veggies or pulses or whatever, you would excrete that in your urine, I don't. And so it can make me very sick and it can mimic um, rheumatoid arthritis. And so your joints seize up and you can't move. Now that happened to me um, and I went to the doctor, had all the tests done. They warned me it would be cancer or leukemia. And my ex-husband and I freaked, as you can imagine, because um, this was at the point I couldn't even pick up a toothbrush because it was too painful. Oh, my goodness. And I was put on very heavy steroids, which are great. And now I know why um, you're told not to take them for a long amount of time because, seriously, it was like the movie Limitless. I was up at 2 a.m. ironing and it, it was great. But anyway, I couldn't <laughs> stay on them for long. <laughs> and then I was diagnosed with the hemo, which someone in my family needs to have had it. So we found out my auntie had it before she passed away. So that really changed a lot of things for me because it explained why I felt tired a lot, um, why I often got coughs and colds. And at that point, kids were born. Um, and that's how my IAN journey began, really. 
I was, it was more about wanting to know more about how to heal ourselves rather than back on the steroids or, or looking for Western medicine. Yeah, okay. So I had a similar journey um, and, and you haven't really got to that point there with your children with the eczema side of things, but uh, my son, he had eczema when he was, oh, I can't remember exactly how old he was, I think after the 12 month before the 18 month mark and I actually I went to the doctor and was told to uh, get the steroid creams onto the eczema and I did that but he actually reacted to the steroid cream so that's really yeah that's what led me down looking at alternative ways that I could try and and get rid of it because it was on his face which you know it at the end of the day isn't isn't the worst thing in the world um but your children had it quite chronically didn't they so chloe and isaac chloe's now 15 isaac's turning 12 they had it basically as soon as i stopped breastfeeding um yeah it flared up me and they never had formula they went literally from the bottle to a cup um and so sorry the boob to a cup so they never they went from breast milk to water and so there wasn't like, because people used to say to me, are you feeding them formula? It's got all the, the stuff in it we don't know about. We didn't have that. Um, and so I took them to the doctor, as you do. Steroid cream was the way to go, apparently. I found it really thin their skin, which yeah. so it was like a chicken and the egg because you thin the skin. Of course, that's going to then be susceptible to splits and cuts and whatever else. Then they're itchy and off they go again. Can I add a disclaimer here too? For anyone with eczema on the face, don't put the steroid cream on the face because it does thin the cream uh, skin Sorry, and you end up bleaching the skin. So I learned that the hard way. <laughs> well, my daughter now, she it's funny you say that, from the steroid cream on her hands, she has permanent scarring now because they're okay. like speckled from the bleaching of the skin. Um, but that's when I started to think there has to be something triggering this. Like I don't believe I had it as a child, but not half as bad as my kids did. And it got to the point where my daughter, she had half her middle finger amputated because of her eczema. She picked up a staph infection at school. Normal kids wouldn't because their skin's not covered in splits. Chloe got it. She was rushed to surgery with staph. She was covered in all these welts within hours and they amputated half a finger. And that's when I said to my ex-husband, this is this something, like this is not normal. Um, and it actually really disgusted me in hospital, to be honest, because for the five days she was admitted, the amount of crap they gave her in the children's ward to eat. And mm -hmm. I kept saying, she's got eczema. She can't be having a high sugar diet. We don't give them cow's milk. And we're basically told, too bad, so sad. Um, and so I was bringing in food from home just in the hospital just so we wouldn't exacerbate the issue. And that's when I started researching how can I find out and educate myself more. Read a lot of things, did a few short courses, and then IIN, um, Integrative Nutrition, popped up. And I thought, right, this is where I'm going to learn about gut health was my big thing at that time and autoimmune diseases. Um, I do believe eczema is triggered well my kids eczema is triggered by the gut and the nervous system and so that's what I wanted to learn more about okay and so with what you learn at the IIN uh, what did it teach you that you didn't already know that you were able to apply and how long was it before you applied those things before you started seeing improvements so I started applying what we were learning immediately like every module and I it, triggered something in my head of, oh, actually, yes, it's the kids. And so I'd do it straight away. And that's how Sugar Free Mum was created because I learned about sugar and it's like a, it's like putting a match on, on petrol in the gut um, and it can inflame so badly from the inside out and cause the heat as well, that heat that the kids go crazy when they're scratching. Um, and so that was one of the first things I cut out and then I was substituting without the kids knowing. My daughter's anaphylactic, so she can't have nuts. So that was a nightmare because, of course, as everyone would know, most healthy recipes, the first thing, almond meal. Um, yeah. 
And I couldn't use ingredients like that. So it was even more of a chemistry experiment for me to figure out what I could substitute. And I started Sugar Free Mum because I couldn't find anyone that was doing any recipes like that at the time that were easy as well and didn't take a degree to make a batch of brownies. Yeah, because, I mean, let's be real, if we're going to be making everything all the time, we'd never get out of the kitchen with the amount that children eat. (laughs) Right, and also the expense. Like in seven years ago, we were paying $20 for a packet of coconut flour. Like it was crazy because it wasn't mainstream. Um, And so I knew that people wouldn't be going for it and reading what I was putting out there if it was too expensive. And so Sugar Free Mum started, I got a following very, very quickly. And I think, A, the recipes were easy, but B, I'm very honest. And I've always maintained that honesty. I think social media lacks that. There's a lot of plastic behind the scenes. I'm being sponsored to write this bullshit nowadays. I never had that because I was one of the first. So like when I started, Instagram didn't exist (laughs) and there was no (laughs) Facebook ads or boosting like it was that long ago. I feel like a dinosaur when I say that to people actually. (laughs) Um, I think we had MySpace too. MySpace was still around. Oh, see, I've never even touched MySpace. so It shows shows my age, doesn't it? So, um, yeah, I built a following very, very quickly off my writing and, and being honest with people. And I've had many things happen over the years, death threats, um, letters from McDonald's about sending me bankrupt because I what? flagged off their oatmeal one post, kept it up there, don't care. Um, and <laughs> I, I really think that's something missing in social media nowadays and I was one of those first people that came out of the gates and went, this is what I'm dealing with. Like I didn't sugarcoat anything. I put pictures of the kids. My son, one of his school photos, his face is, I know what you said about the face, it's not a big deal on the face, but... I think about the times he went to school looking like that and how that kid must have felt, like for his own self-esteem. When I said that, I said that with my little boy in mind and he had a tiny, tiny little bit, you know. I wasn't dealing with anything. Well, Isaac, my heart used to break because I'd think like, oh, you know, mummy loves you and when I can say that to the cows come home, but this poor kid in year four turning up looking like a Burns victim. That's basically what it looked like. His eczema was that bad um, that, yeah, that that was my big thing. I didn't want my kids to feel self-conscious because realistically kids couldn't care less about how healthy their gut is. It yeah. For my kids it was about people staring at them in the shops. And I had yeah. so many rude women come up to me and say, yeah, what's wrong with your kids? Um They'd be like, well, I have tried everything. Like <laughs> I felt like to complete strangers I was justifying my role as a mother yeah. because they yeah. just they look at me like I was a bad mother. And I'm like, listen, I've spent tens of thousands of dollars on these kids and testing and you name it. And I'm still Not trying to, to mention this out. all of the nights up late reading and just consuming anything and everything that you can get your hands on. But like, also yeah. wrapping the kids in the wet wraps and mm. I bought them both pajamas. It was like a straight jacket so they couldn't scratch in their sleep. And having to clip those into those sorts of jammies, you feel like a, you're abusing them. But literally it was so they wouldn't hurt themselves in their sleep. And I, mm. we had a laugh last night because I, um, I knew we were meeting today and Isaac said, do you remember when we used to laugh that my sheets look like a murder scene? Because literally we did, because we had to make a joke about it because the kids would wake up and there'd just be blood all over the sheets. So Sugar Free Mum was really born out of frustration and trying to help my kids. That's, Mm -hmm. yeah. So do you think that that was the real turning point then? Was it just the sugar that you took out that, that made the big change for your kids and for yourself? So I did a lot of, um, oh, what do they call it, eliminating foods in IAN. Mm-hmm. Everything's an elimination, you know, start from basics, reintroduce, see what happens. I did that yes. a few times but I found, and actually I'd be interested to hear if anyone else has found this too, as they got older they reacted to new things that they didn't react to before. It was almost like their own biochemistry was changing as well. And so I had to almost keep abreast of everything that may trigger. Um, I made a comment one day that it was like a full-time job there for a couple of years. So the elimination is the easiest way to start, right? But 
I would keep in mind that anyone doing that, that can change awfully quickly too with kids and what they're exposed to. Yeah. My eldest, um, the one that had the eczema, I'm not sure whether this is actually eczema, but he's got something at the moment and it's like a cross between, uh, like it looks kind of like a wart but not and like pimples but not and he's got it all up his belly up the side of his belly and then he gets it in the creases of his um elbows and I am in the process of doing the elimination diet at the moment to try and get to the the cause of what it is that flares up so and I've noticed that um if I keep the amount of processed foods out of his diet, then it's really good. It starts to really calm down. It's almost as if they're going. But then the minute that he has um, something that he shouldn't, uh, yeah, it'll flare up and get real itchy. And, yeah, it's just it's just bizarre. I'm assuming that this is a viral thing with the nature of, of Yeah, it sounds it with the but... lungs. Hmm. Yeah, it does sound it. Um. Funny about the elimination, I took Chloe to an allergist early on because I thought, right, I need to understand if she's allergic to anything. And the allergy diet he gave us, classic. So it was potato chips, which is fine, he said. In his opinion, that was probably the most purest food in the world, which I was, mm-hmm. okay. A couple of other things, but lemonade. I said, why the lemonade? Um, and he said, well, it's better than water because it doesn't have all the chemicals. I said, yeah, but sugar is an exacerbate for eczema <laughs> it's full of sugar like and this is from a specialist like an allergist that you have a 12-month waiting list to get in to see and I was shocked and then he said go and buy this book and it's all in there and I, I've got the book and it's exactly what it said and it was written by all these doctors oh my goodness I really think the intuition is what you were doing the elimination diet I really think it's a parent's or a carer's intuition of what is going wrong and what's going on because once I was told that, I thought, oh, this is not something not right. No, yeah. and obviously you haven't experienced eczema with children yourself at home because you'd understand that this is actually a trigger food for that. Mm. Now let's talk about yourself after making those lifestyle changes and and cutting sugar out for yourself because a lot of women that I'm speaking to that have children that are having these issues or, you know, children that might have behavioural concerns or just mum life in general can be bloody hard sometimes. And, you know, I'm sure we've all been there where you just no energy, tired all the time, cranky all the time, all that sort of thing. Did it? Did you have any changes in that after you cut out your sugar? I had the day three blues, which turned into, and God bless him, my first husband did it with me when we cut out sugar. Um, we loved Coke. And I also used to eat that lint dark chocolate. Like oh, just a couple yeah, of squares a night. I know. But, <laughs> yeah, anyway, so we said, right, we'll go cold turkey. Day three, I felt sad in the morning, went to work. I was home by lunchtime throwing up. It was like the basketball diaries. So, and I kept reading online about what was going on, and it's basically the detoxing. I never realised how addicted I was to Diet Coke. Um, so, yeah, that was probably for 36 hours. I felt like I was coming off crack. Like it was bad and Jason was the same. And I would say probably day seven I started to come out of that fog. So it took a week for me to get past the bad withdrawal symptoms. And I wasn't a Macca's eater, I didn't eat lollies, um, I wasn't into Nutella and things like that. This is purely my vices were Diet Coke and that lint chocolate. Mm, yeah. And it's funny, isn't it, too? Like people probably don't even realise how much sugar they're eating in a day. You know, I was I was talking to my auntie um, not long ago and she's like, oh, you know, I, I don't eat that much sugar. And she started rattling off what she'd eaten a day and it was cereal and then some fruit and then lunch might be some crackers with whatever else on it. And I'm like, well, if you actually look at the labels of those foods that you're eating, cereal especially, you know, and cereal, I'm 
little bit passionate about this is and I know we're all just doing the best that we can do as mums but cereal to start the day for our kids is one of the first things in my opinion that should really be looked at what's your thoughts on that what's well, a sugar spike so the only way down is a crash which is going to happen when they get to school and I think cereal probably it's more nutritious to eat the box um it's full of just stuff I go on with if you read a label, if you don't know what something is, don't buy it because there's so many oses, anything ending in osu sugar, there's so many chemicals and salt and acids added in that if you don't know what one of the ingredients is, then it's from a chemistry set. Um, my kids are pretty good. We're going through an egg white omelet stage at the moment. That's, that's yeah. the order I do every morning, which I'm happy to yeah. do because they'll eat it. Um, yeah, and then right. having some yeah. rubbish. But back to the that's sugar side, I'm always stunned by sauces, the sugar content of sauces like tomato sauce, mm. barbecue sauce. Most of them have more sugar than chocolate topping. And you see people like with the sauce all over everything. Mm. And That's my husband. I cringe every night. Like I'll cook a really nice meal and it does not need much more than salt and pepper, but he will just slather it in sauce. And I'm just like, if only you knew, not even just the sugar, but like all of the um, the additives and stuff that goes with it. Like, ugh. anyway, I'll get there. So that's, um, that. they're really my, my bugs to bear are those hidden sugars that people, they just don't know. And unfortunately, food companies in Australia, we have very loose guidelines so they can claim anything they like. And mm. I was shocked, I know recently our Australian guidelines, we are allowed, I think it was 30 teaspoons of sugar a day is the recommended sugar intake, which 30. is a lot. Yeah, so when you look at um, how many, you know, you should be eating three meals and the carbohydrates and, and the meat and the veggies and your oils, you know, the pyramid, mm. when you actually add up that recommended, it's about 30 teaspoons of sugar equivalent. Oh, that's disgusting. A lot. Um, <laughs> but that's the sort of thing where people take verbatim what they're told in the media. Diet sugar, uh, sorry, diet yogurt is one of the worst offenders. Yeah, and the whole um, low-fat concept, you know, that, that good marketing tactic that's put out there is if it's low fat you can nearly guarantee it's high in sugar. So people will go, oh, low fat, thinking that they're doing the right thing. But, uh, yeah, realistically, it's not the case. Well, if they take the fat out, they have to make it taste good, don't they? Mm. So they've got to put something else in and sugar is the cheapest commodity to throw into it. Or um, yeah. corn syrup. So that's super mm. cheap. And that's, again, just sugar. So I must have cut you off before. You were talking about when you came off the sugar and you are talking about your detox and, and all of that. Where, when did you start? coming out the other side and going, okay, there's something in this. And what were the improvements, I suppose, that you noticed? Sure. Day seven after giving up sugar would have been my the day that I felt the most sane. And then after that, it was just improvements across the board. I felt, it's funny, isn't it? I felt really small things used to trigger me when I look back and I suffered from debilitating anxiety and panic attacks, debilitating, um, to the point I was on medication for a while there for the anxiety. And I now put that down to my diet, that my adrenals were so overloaded with junk um, that my body was just reacting that way to everything. It was like being on a tightrope all day long. So mm -hmm. I found when I made the changes in my diet and everything in my life really, I became much more settled, much more grounded, much more focused. And it really, IIN and the kids' skin really did change my life because up until that point, I had a great career in finance and I quit my job because I knew this is what I wanted to do with my life. Um, yeah. And write, writing was always such a passion of mine and I was able to do it. People were following me. I was writing articles about it. I thought this is actually, I don't care if I'm a broke writer, this is what I want to be doing and helping other people. Your fire. Yeah. I yeah. Could, you know, they say, what could you do for free? 
for the rest of your life. It's absolutely talking about food, health, writing, and helping people. I interrupt this program. No, just kidding. Just jumping in to let you guys know super quickly that I have a really fun, really exciting, well, as fun as gut health can get, but it's fun for me and it'll make you feel great. I've got a challenge coming up that I think you guys are going to love. And the challenge is how to kick your cravings to the curb. So whether it be chocolate or coffee or carbs or sugar, whatever it is that you just can't seem to stop eating, I have devised a two-week challenge. Yes, it's a challenge. It means you're going to have to show up. You're going to have to put in the work, but it is free just for you guys, just to show you how easy it can be to kick those pain in the ass cravings to the curb. If you're interested, head to the link in the show notes and it will take you directly there. Otherwise, if you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, just head to the link in my bio or my website and you will be able to register your interest there. All right, let's get back into the episode, shall we? That's so wonderful. I'm so pleased to hear that. I love it when people find their purpose and their passion and and they go for it. And that's exactly what I've done. You know, I, I think I mentioned to you earlier that I used to be an accountant and it wasn't until my dad passed away and I was wanting to get my husband home from the mines and I really started to do some soul searching. Like life is way too short to do something that you're not passionate about or something that drains you rather than yeah, so that's what sort of really pushed me into stepping out of my comfort zone and pursuing all of this. So, yeah, no, it's wonderful that you're doing that. Did you find that um, that had a flow-on effect then in the home, in that it was a calmer home with the kids, you know? Your tolerance levels obviously might have improved and and then that would have then in turn helped with the kids' behaviour and, and just the taking the sugar away for them? Yeah, look, I'm pretty lucky in that I think because the kids were so uncomfortable themselves, they were pretty easy to bring on board. Um, yeah. Because of making How them old were they at this point? Gosh, Isaac was in you. The worst he was year four, probably Chloe around year four as well. So I started all of this. Chloe would have been probably year one or two because Isaac's three years younger. So that's yeah, where okay. it all started. Um, that's when I started researching because she started to flare up. As soon as I stopped breastfeeding at 18 months, out came the eczema. Um, but I found a home. Like, of course, I got a lot of pushback from my ex-husband because he loved, loved his sugar. And even though he gave up with me for the experimental side, he was back on it. Very different now. Now, wouldn't touch it. It's funny how the wheel turns. (laughs) But um, back then, that was challenging. And with the kids, it was more they're at the age of being, you know, in those early years, they're invited to every birthday party in the classroom. So most Saturdays you were at someone's birthday party hocking back cheesels and lollies. Mm. And so that's very, very hard to manage when you're trying to get your children not to eat it. But I would say the flow on effect at home was we all became much more conscious of what we're eating, particularly because I was ramming down my studies down everyone's throat. And I know that I have become a much nicer person since Mm -hmm overhauling my diet and that's probably because my anxiety is gone um but there was no triggers for me and of course then if you're not reacting to everything the kids see that and so I would say it did create a much calmer environment for us at home yeah okay and I'm thinking back to myself um you know I I talk about this a lot um, on my own social media accounts and I've, I've mentioned it in a few of the podcast interviews today. But after I had my boys both times, I had this period where my microbiome must have just been shot. I had emergency caesareans for both boys, so that's antibiotics there, let alone all of the, um, you know, whole hormones and everything going from having the birth itself. But I 
and sleep deprivation on top of that and, you know, just reaching for the sugar for um, energy hits. But I was addicted and there's no other way to explain it. I've always been very, felt like I've had a pretty good diet, you know. Um, I've always had a sweet tooth, but I've never been to the point where I couldn't control that sweet tooth. Whereas after the boys were born, I just felt like I was possessed. And, and that's because sugar is addictive. And, um, I guess what I'm, my question to you is when, at what point with the quitting sugar, did you feel like those cravings were no longer there? And do you think that quitting sugar is something that you can do gradually, or do you think it should be done cold turkey like you did it? So in terms of the quitting sugar how, I'm an all or nothing kind of personality. I think it really depends on your personality. So if I'm doing something, I'm doing it. There's none of this, okay, I'll save this and go there and whatever, plan this, like it's on. So for me, cold turkey works best. I rip the Band-Aid off with everything in my life and just do it. Um, For people who, though, don't respond well to the shock of (laughs) throwing up, headaches, feeling terrible, then I would say gradually, um, but not too gradually because you do want to go through a few of those detoxifying symptoms so you understand what this has done to your body. Um, It's kind of a bit gratifying to get to the other end of feeling terrible and knowing I don't think I'll ever go back to it. Because, yeah. I mean, anyone that's given up smoking knows how hard it is. But the achievement at the end of that and you look back and think, why did I do that in the first place? Mm. It's kind of how it was mm. with my diet. It crept in over the years. Mum was more, I was quite overweight at year 12 and it crept in with the stress and just kept mm. creeping in. Um, so that's how mine came about. I would say I was addicted. I would absolutely say I was addicted. Yeah, yeah. And what um, you mentioned before about going to the birthday parties and the like, what advice would you have for any other mums out there that might be navigating those waters or even for family members that may not be so receptive to the idea of going sugar-free? So family I find much easier because you can be more honest with family than you can other people's parents um I've look I've always encouraged my mum and stepdad as well to cut back on the sugar to get them on board as when I was staying with them I just made some of the meals and it was very different to what they eat normally but they loved it and then I'd explain this is how it's different Um, I think it's more the showing people rather than telling them how easy it is and how much of a difference they can feel. Um, In terms of birthday parties, that's a tricky one. I kind of had to coach my kids not to go crazy or I would say to them, look, you can have a little bit of everything, but then that's enough and we'll go somewhere after the party. I find just saying no, like good luck. Kids don't listen to that. For me it was suggesting an alternative, but they didn't miss out. The other thing I became very good at is taking something to a party. So it may be a big thing of veggie sticks with yogurt in the middle as dip or because kids love that nowadays or hummus or making it look cool. Um, That's all kids really go for. That's why lollies and chips are so popular because they're colours. They're going for the interesting stuff they can hold in their hands. So I got in the habit of actually taking things along. I still do it to this day when I go out, go to people's places. Like I still offer to bring a nibbles plate. Because then I know I'll have something to eat. I hate getting somewhere and you're like, oh, my God, I I can't eat any of this. Um, And people are grateful that you're actually offering to bring something along. They don't understand that it's got an ulterior motive. (laughs) I love that. I was speaking to uh, Dr Delia McCabe last week and um, she said something similar in that um, when you're going to – you know, it might be your the grandparents' place. You know, grandparents love to spoil the kids, of course, and rightly so, you know, they've done their time or whatever. But if you're in a position where you don't want them spoiled with sugar, um, she suggested to make the treats and um, make it something that you don't normally have at home 
and then give them to to grandma or granddad or whoever it might be and have them put it away so that when they're pulling it out it's something new it's something exciting and they have no idea that you had anything to do with it so it's a great idea yeah I thought that was brilliant so I thought I'd just share that on here and look there's some other things too I've found lately that there's little multi-pack chips that you put in the kids lunch boxes um get popcorn ones like, again, it's just the kids feeling like they're having something in with their heads at school. It's still salty, but it hasn't got all the other rubbish thrown through it. Um, there are yeah, quite a few absolutely. good options out there that the kids won't feel like they've got this mum at home that's trying to make everyone super healthy. Yeah. And when you're looking for alternatives to a really good rule of thumb is like Sheridan sort of touched on earlier is just look at the ingredients and a, if you can't understand what those ingredients are, then your body or the children's bodies is not going to be able to understand what it is either. It's not real food. And another one is just try as little ingredients as possible in in those. Um, and obviously watch out for the sugar component too. Um, but, yeah, when we're looking at other ingredients, there are a couple of simple rules to follow. Did you have any others that you'd like to share? Um, oh, look, I'm a bit nuts about this sort of stuff um (laughs) (laughs) so many rules (laughs) it's more over the years i've just learned a lot of little hacks along the way of what to look for what to look for on packets um because my kids are like any kids now they still love to come home and eat especially now they're teenagers they just want to eat everything um so i yeah i just make sure i've got plenty of fresh i find cut up stuff so cut up celery sticks carrot sticks capsicum sticks, bowls of grapes. Like I get everything out of the packet because I find mm-hmm. the fresh stuff. Like I take the strawberries out of the punnet and put them in a bowl in the fridge because I find my kids will go for that first because they just want something quick. Whereas mm-hmm. if I had the celery and a whole bunch sitting in there, they're going, oh, I can't be bothered and go yeah, for something too hard else. Basket. So I try and make it as easy as possible um, because that's what I found with my kids. It comes down to a lot of the time laziness. So if the good yeah. stuff's easy to access, easy to eat, then that's what they'll go for first. They only go for the jump when it's too hard. It's funny that you say that because my husband, when I was going through those periods in my life where I was just addicted to sugar, he's just like, oh, I'll get a bit of willpower back. And I'm like, I don't think you understand. Like the whole time my hand's reaching for whatever it is it's reaching for, my head is going, no, Tony, you don't need that. Put it down. You don't need it. And then I'm like laughing all the way to my mouth sort of thing. But his suggestion to me was to pack myself a lunchbox. Like I normally would send him to work with, well, he'd argue that I don't do that often enough, but he's probably right. But, <laughs> you know, he packs the lunchbox to go to work and um, to, for myself to do the same for me. And then that way I've got, I know what I'm eating in a day. I'm not going, it's there ready. Um, I'm not reaching for quick and easy or or whatever else, you know, and it sort of leaves little less room for you to stray, I suppose. Yeah, and you're right because most of us nowadays, we're mindless eaters. So we're not making the choices when we're thinking, particularly if you work from home, you just want, again, something quick. So I think that's a great idea during the lunchbox. For me, I tend to have leftovers from the night before and I have them in a jar in the fridge and I always have soup in the freezer. So once a month I might turn the soap or and do a massive chicken soup and then it's always portioned in the freezer so again I'm not caught out that's a great idea for me that's my downfall if I'm in a rush and I'll just grab whatever so I make sure that I've always got something now I'm very mindful of the time I know you have to get going very very soon but would you mind sharing with our listeners any uh, valuable tips and tricks and the things that you think might really be beneficial for them and for their children if they were choosing to go sugar-free? So the first thing is kids mimic their parents. Um, So it's not no use you saying to your children, right, I'm cutting out sugar for you and then you're standing in the kitchen with a snake hanging out your mouth. Like it's it's just not fair and that doesn't stick. Behaviour sticks when kids are watching it. So 
first and foremost, it's up to the adult to make the change first and talk to it about it to the kids. So I'm doing this because I feel X, Y, Z. I'm hoping that I will feel X, Y, Z at the end of doing this. Um, uh, do you want to have some of my, I always have those baby cucumbers in there. So I used to say that in the fridge, I used to say to Isaac, how about you have one of these like mummies instead of chips? And he would because I was having it. And yeah. it's that whole crowding out theory where if you crowd out the bad stuff with the good stuff, kids will adapt to that quite quickly. It's when we try and just, I've chucked all the chips and chocolate in the, in the bin, we're not having that anymore, and that's where the resistance is because they see that as a threat because it's a change to their routine. Um, and kids don't like that. Kids love routine, right? So. If you do those extremes to children, it will only have resistance and it will be a very negative experience. If you're doing it, they're watching you, they're seeing how happy you are doing it. There are other options they can try. Kids love to do new things. That would be my biggest, biggest piece of advice because I've seen yeah. it. And we're the same. Like if someone said to me, oh, there's no wine at Dan Murphy's for six months, I'm telling you now, <laughs> I'd find it. Like I would... <laughs> be anywhere I could to find myself a bottle of wine like it would become an issue and that's my reaction is I've got to have it so with yeah. kids if you're going to take away all the food they love and enjoy you're going to have the same resistance it will be I have to have it and it will become even worse for you yeah um and when we're talking about cutting out sugar do you, with the kids now, are they still completely sugar-free or do you, you still allow the fruit and, and everything, obviously? Yeah, so my kids are, um, they love strawberries, which is great because they're very, very low in fructose. So they love strawberries, raspberries, blueberries. Great, we're in summer now. They're pretty cheap. Um, they still love, you know, they're like any kids. I've never seen either of them eat a full chocolate bar, I must admit. But they like cookies and so what I do is I buy the wafer sticks because it's mm -hmm. they're quite, quite low in sugar to be fair because most of it's just that wafer biscuit. Um, but they feel like they're having something sweet in their lunchbox. I think too with my daughter being 15, probably about 12 when she became aware of her appearance, that was great for me because it made life a bit easier. Um, I think Isaac's going through a bit of it the same. I've noticed this week he's been doing his hair every morning for school and he's never done that before. So he's going into year seven next year. So I, I kind of... a bit of a love interest. <laughs> well, I kind of feel like this is a good thing because in my experience, once the kids become more self-aware, it makes the transition into healthier eating and them sticking to it much, much easier. But in terms of them staying sugar-free, I would say Isaac definitely would be 90%. Chloe, because she's a teenage girl and who knows what they do in their own time, um, I would say probably 70 80%. Yeah, okay. So when just to clarify, when you did the sugar-free to start with, did you take all fruit out as well? I did for me personally only because yeah. I found that for me fruit, my body then craved sugar after it. And I don't know why. Again, it's that whole bio-individuality aspect where what my body does, yours may not. Um, but I found for me sugar was a trigger for more sugar and because your brain doesn't know it's fruit. All your brain's tasting yeah. is that sweet taste and it wants more um, because, as we know, back in the caveman days, fruit was their sugar. That's their sweet treat. And so I did cut it all sugar, yes. I replaced it with fat. I found that replacing um, sugar with I'd have camembert cheese or brie cheese instead, and I'm not talking the whole wheel, I'd have like a little piece <laughs> or, and I know this sounds gross, I would do the teaspoon of coconut oil trick because, okay. I mean, it's horrible, but weirdly your brain thinks it's sweet um, and okay. so that would cure a craving like that. Oh, that's amazing. Well, I better let you get going, but thank you so, so much for jumping on today and sharing all of that incredible information with us. Now, for our listeners, can you just share, and I'll pop these all in the show notes as well, but can you share with us where we can find you? 
Sure. So my Facebook and Instagram, actually everything's the same. Um, Sugar Free Mum. So that's S-U-G-A-R-F-R-E-E-M-U-M. And then the website is just sugarfreemum.com.au. Awesome. And um, I'm assuming, I, I remember seeing a 21-day sugar-free yeah. trial. So we, we, I occasionally run that, um, more so on demand when people ask, can do I have a challenge they can do or can I help them out? Because my life has gone more into TV nowadays and writing, um, I do this 21-day challenge if they want to jump in and get involved. But if anyone is interested in that, just private message me through Facebook and I'll share the link. And can you tell us quickly, we've got a couple of minutes, tell us quickly about this TV show thing that you've got going on. Right. So I was fortunate enough to make a show with some girlfriends at Channel 7 picked up a couple of years ago called The Single Wives. And then Netflix bought the series this year, um, just after my birthday in July, they bought the series off our production company. So now it's running worldwide, which has been incredible exposure, like everywhere in the world, which for me, I couldn't care less about my character on TV. Like it's great, but it's more people following Sugar Free Mum and learning more. Like I love your message out there. Yeah. That's why why Mm. I like it. But Yes, top secret kind of still. Um, It looks like I will be going back on TV and recording from early January for three months. So I can't say much yet. But, and it's, you know what, it's funny because TV fell into my lap. I was doing, I've done a few Brisbane Weekenders and for Channel 7, but it kind of just fell into my lap when I was 40. Like most people, it was ridiculous. It was actually through Sugar Free Mum. I wrote a post on my Facebook page about my second marriage ending and a few TV producers followed me and that was it. They private messaged me on my Facebook page and said, do you want to make a show? And so I was a late, late starter in TV. So it's kind of how you're finding it. It's kind of cool. I still get offers without an agent. Like they just come through my page. Um, I actually love it because it's just me and it's like, take it or leave it. I really don't care. It's my personality. I say what I think. I still live my life that way, even at my age. So, um, yeah, I really enjoy it. And as I said, the more I can spread the message about women being empowered in all areas of their life, like you've probably got a few single mums listening um, as well, and being in that situation is hard. And so being able to talk about it openly on TV and, and people to watch all the mistakes I make, um, in life and love <laughs> and dating and it's quite funny. So, yeah, I am I'm exactly in. myself and for some yeah. odd reason that has resonated with a lot of women around the world, so it's, it's cool. So if anyone's got Netflix, just look up The Single Wives and you'll see my face pop up. Well, I think you're amazing, so I can understand why other people do too. I have only known you for a very short period of time, but I already feel like we've been friends for a long time, so I totally get why people are attracted to that. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to let you get going. Thank you again so much, and we'll be talking soon. See you soon. Let's give it up for Sheridan, the sugar-free mum. How good was that? Ah. I enjoyed our chat so much. It there was a bit of a roller coaster ride to actually getting our times and worlds to align so that we could actually make it happen. Hashtag mum life. Uh, but it was definitely worth the wait. I'm so glad that uh, I had Sheridan on. Thank you very much, Sheridan. We definitely learn a lot from that discussion. Now I have a little bit of a confession to make. So because I am a mum and I am unable to get into the office as often as I would like, I batched a heap of interviews last year so that once I released the podcast, I could keep these episodes flowing out for you guys, um, you know, in case of illness with the kids and whatever else that life throws at us. So quite a number of months have actually passed since Sheridan and I spoke. So things are looking a little bit different for Sheridan now. She is super excited to let you all know that she is releasing a 28-day program and the whole program is really 
built around building a solid foundation for eating properly and focusing on the behavioral issues of eating too much. So in Sheridan's experience, she found that she was eating all of the right things. She was just eating too much of those foods. So this program has been designed to take the guesswork out of what to eat and how much of it to eat. So it's like a portion control system. It's called 28 Lean and it's a color-coded container system that's designed to make meal planning and portion control easy and uh, helping people to lose weight. So you can buy the program just on its own or uh, in combination with the program and the containers. And then there's access to online members area to download guides and meal plans and a full toolkit plus private Facebook group uh, for everyone that signs up. So if this sounds like something that you would be interested in, please head to the links in my bio. You'll be able to learn more there. Uh, but definitely think it would be a ton of fun. There's also a waitlist that you can join for a beta group testing trial, I guess, for lack of a better word. So if that sounds like something you're interested again, head to the links in my bio. All right, guys, another episode done and dusted. And as always, if you enjoyed this, if you know someone that has a child with eczema or whatever it may be, please share this information with them. It could mean the difference between a murder scene in the bed and itch-free skin. You never know how that simple share might help to change someone else's life. So please like, make sure you subscribe and yeah, get the message out there. Thank you for tuning in. You guys are wonderful. And if you're feeling generous, now that I am on Apple, woohoo, finally, feel free to drop a rating. Every time I get a rating, it helps me to be more discoverable, which means more people are going to hear the incredible stories and become inspired and hopefully take that leap of faith that they need to improve their health and wellness. This is your gut health bestie signing out. Stay awesome. Keep trusting that gut feeling of yours. And remember, let's keep on doing it for the kids. Until next time. Views and opinions expressed by the host and guest of That Gut Feeling Doing It For The Kids podcast series are for published entertainment purposes only and are not intended as a diagnosis, treatment, or as a substitute for professional medical advice and treatment. Please consult a physician or other healthcare professional for your specific healthcare and or medical needs or concerns. Reproduction, copying, or redistribution of the Doing It For The Kids podcast without the express written consent of That Gut Feeling is prohibited.